All right, good morning, everybody. I'm choking up a little bit because I miss you. Like, I wish, I wish you guys were here. Um, cause I'll be completely honest with you. One thing that really fires me up to preach every morning is just getting to see you beforehand and talking to you and then looking and seeing you here. So I see a few people here and it's awesome you guys are here. I'm not dissing you, but I just miss all those guys out there. So, um, just know you're loved, you're missed. Um, I just am thankful for our staff team. There are so many ways. They've been reaching out to you through our Kidman student ministry uh, community groups. You're going to be hearing some cool things coming down the pike if you're in a community group. Uh, if you're not in a community group, I know if you've been a part of Parkview for 50 years or this is your first link up with us this morning, we just want you to be a part of what's going on here. We want you to know you belong. And so just keep track with our emails this week. There's different ways we want to reach out to you, particularly if you're newer uh, there's something called Peace in the Pandemic. We want to set up a couple of places where you can just come in and hear about Jesus and hear about how he brings us hope in times like this. But we just, we love you and miss you. I'll be honest, it's a little chilly in here this morning too. You guys like warm this place up for us when you're here too. So uh, just to give you a little heads up on how uh, this is connecting with people. Last Sunday, we had 1,200 connections in this service. We were in 13 states and Bogota, Colombia. So conservatively, that's about 2,500 people uh, connecting with us. So even though you feel like you're sitting in your living room and it's, or wherever you are, you know, it's just you, it's really cool to picture just how many of us are uniting right now around God and his word and looking for hope together. So if you could do one thing, I'm going to start preaching a little bit, but don't let this distract you a whole bunch. But sometime the rest of the morning, could you just snap a picture? Make sure you're decent. Uh, you can wipe off the Cheeto crumbs or whatever you, donut stuff or whatever you got on you. But just take a picture of your, your family uh, doing this together. And if you post it on Facebook and tag Parkview, uh, we could pull that, or if you want to email that to us, but uh, I'm sure Pastor Josh in North Campus, Pastor Fern East Campus, and me, I, we would just love to see you. And so and if you want to tag in there like an encouragement for us or some way we can pray for you, uh, or if you're brand new, just introduce yourself to us. That, that would be so sweet, if, particularly whoever it is in Bogota. Like, we want to know who you are, okay? So, so just get in touch with us, all right? So uh, Josh read our passage that we're going to look at this morning, and I thought pa Pastor Thomas absolutely nailed last week, and uh, he said that he felt like it was God's sovereignty that we were studying Ephesians 5 when we did last week. We were talking about bringing the gospel into our homes, and there we are sitting in our living rooms together watching that. This morning, I feel like is another one of those passages that God has just put on the tee and just say, hey, Parkview, just drive this. Like, you're going to need this. And you picked up the tone from it. It started uh, with the word, finally, uh, be strong in the strength of the Lord. Like today we're landing the plane on a study of an amazing book of the Bible, the book of Ephesians. And, and the tone today you heard it is be strong. And then four different times he said, stand, 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 stand. And so what he's doing here is he's just bringing to a gigantic exclamation point, like, this is what I've been teaching you. And if you could just do a quick survey, if you're new with us, like Ephesians has reminded us of so many powerful things that we have in Christ, that we are adopted into God's family. We are loved by him. We are sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ. And we don't deserve that. Like we were dead in our sins. We had rebelled against God, rejected him, but God was full of mercy and grace. 
And while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. So totally by his grace, we're brought into this family. And then Jesus reconciled us to God. We are now at peace with God. And then we're introduced into this family with other fellow strugglers and sinners who are now united into this family. And we are called to love each other and serve each other. So we don't do this life alone. We do it united by Christ and by the gospel. And so this is a beautiful thing that we have been invited into, and it's called the church. And and so um, what you're going to see today is that I think the main point of this passage is that God has equipped us, all of us, through Christ. We are equipped and empowered to face the greatest battles of our lives. And you talk about, again, another just completely God-timed message for us. It's this, that we have been equipped, we are prepared by God. And so I think one of our greatest fears is to be unprepared. And so I'm not a psychologist or anything, but they say that what you really are afraid of are the kind of things that you have dreams about sometimes. So let me just tell you about pastor dream world where one of my fears is sometimes I've had this recurring dream that I'm just sitting out there in the seats and somebody will get up and go, okay, today's sermon is by Pastor Doug Schillinger. And I'm like, what? Like I had nothing prepared. Like I had no idea. And so for, and the dream goes on and on. Like I'm just step, 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 like figuring out what am I going to say? And the dream goes on and on and on. Everybody's just looking at me and I get up here and I open and there's just nothing there. So the unprepared dream, that's how maybe it hits pastors. Um, I'm doing a wedding for somebody at the end of April and I'd never heard about uh, bride-to-be nightmare dreams, but this one <laughs> bride-to-be has had a recurring dream that her wedding was going to take place in her parents' garage. Like, so they didn't prepare. Like, and so all these guests are coming into their parents' garage and there she is setting up for a wedding and, and so she said she said that over and over again. So that's a new category for me would be bride-to-be unprepared dreams. But, but I really think it's this whole fear of not being prepared that's leveling our country. Like, that's why we're scrambling for toilet paper, of all things, right? We're scrambling for hand sanitizer. Like, we don't want to be unprepared, and yet we've been caught. Like, we have no idea what we're walking through with a pandemic like this. There's no protocol. Our, our families haven't practiced this. Like, how do you live in days like this? But the point of our passage is that we have been thoroughly equipped and prepared through Jesus to face our greatest challenges so that not only will we stand strong, but will help others see the hope that we have in Christ. So let me pray, and we're going to look at who do we fight, how do we fight, and what does victory look like, all right? So let me pray, and we'll jump into this. So, so Father, would you speak to us today clearly from your word, your God who loves us. Your Bible is a message directly from you to us. And this word is going to a variety of situations, a variety of people, but you can use your words in powerful ways in each place, in each life, in each home. So do your work through your word, Father, and point us to Jesus. It's in his great name we pray. Amen. All right, so who do we fight? Uh, look at verse 11. Have your Bible out, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Who do we fight? It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
man, I can maybe sense maybe a collective eye roll from some of you, like, oh no, we're going to start talking about devil now and spiritual forces. Like, honestly, I think there's two ditches that we go into as Americans uh, as we hear about the devil and spiritual forces. Like, one ditch is maybe to make way too big a deal of them. Like, blame everything on the devil, when actually maybe a lot of that is you just made a bad choice, right? And so the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible doesn't dump, you know, every blame uh, some some of our choices are bad choices. Some some things have physical causes. Some things have emotional causes. But but I think the biggest ditch we drop into as Americans is that we totally ignore the spiritual world. Like we almost think like we're above that. We're too educated to believe in a devil and and a spiritual world. And so maybe there is an eye roll with it. And and so that is more predominant, I would say, in the West than it is in some other parts of our world. In fact, there are vast parts of our world that are deeply in tune with the spiritual world. In fact, there are parts of our world where they are confronted with evil in such stark ways that there's no other explanation and that there is a powerful force of evil behind it. And even, I have to say, even within Western culture, there's a growing maybe not as certain uh, a response about, oh, there's no spiritual uh, forces, there's no evil. When we are confronted with atrocity after atrocity, uh, even as we're increasing education and technology, the, the cruel and wicked things that people keep doing to each other, you think about the genocide in Rwanda, killed 800,000 people. And you think about atrocity after atrocity, I think more and more people are being dropped to their knees and saying there's got to be an explanation. This is just more than people having a bad day. Like there's something above this. There's something driving this. And so the biblical explanation, and gosh, I wish we had hours to unpack this, but I could keep it brief. The Bible does have an explanation for evil. It doesn't brush it away or ignore it. Um, but basically, uh, one of God's created angels rebelled against him. That's who Satan was. The very beginning, his first act was, was pride and he re- rebelled against against God. And so, and then that fallen angel, Satan, deceived the first uh, people to rebel against God, to doubt God's goodness. And so that's where the first sin happened. And when the first sin happened, the Bible says, all of creation was placed under a curse. And so the battle we face now is kind of on three fronts. Each of us have joined in on that rebellion, like the, the the virus of sin against God is contagious and we've all caught it and we all spread it to each other. And so so there's a battle we fight within a propensity to go against God, right? And so then we live in a world that is pulling us away from God and kind of over top of all of that is this one, this very powerful being named uh, that the Bible refers to as Satan. In fact, the word devil was in our passage here means slanderer. He has a strategy. Uh, Jesus says he was the father of lies. So one thing he loves to do is just slander you and slander God. And he loves to just fill you with lies about yourself and lies about God. And again, we could unpack this for hours. But if I could just say there's, I think there's two basic ways that the enemy loves his strategy is to get you down. And so I, I say there's two ways. One way is to get you to think too highly of yourself 
and then to belittle God, okay? So the messaging there would be, you can do whatever you want. Like, whatever you think is best, that's how you'll find satisfaction. That's how you'll love this life. You can figure stuff out. Man, and God, you know, he, he won't care. Like, so diminish his holiness. Or he doesn't really know, so let's diminish his wisdom. Like, you can figure it out. God's kind of antiquated. God is out of touch. I mean, you just go do whatever you want to do. So that's one uh, strategy the enemy uses to cut you off, really, from God's laws and God's teaching is meant to give you life. And so the enemy makes you overplay yourself and, and downplay God. But here's another one. Maybe you guys have sensed this attack as well. The other way is to attack you and tear you down. Like just to rip you to shreds. Like, who do you think you are? Like, why did you do that again? Or what a loser. And then to diminish the love and the grace of God. Like, there's no way a God would ever love you, or no way a God, like, you know, would take a person like you into his family. There's no way God would adopt you. And so, man, you're just on both sides just getting shredded. Like, maybe even you go day to day. Like, one day you think you got this, and you do a bunch of stuff, and it doesn't turn out, and you hurt yourself and a bunch of people, and then that other strategy kicks in and go, see, I told you, what a loser. Like, there's no way, God, there's no hope for you. There's no way God would love someone like you. And so, I, I don't know, you're sitting there hearing this, and maybe you're saying, well, I, I don't know that I faced a lot of that, or I don't know what, what you're really talking about. You know, I, I think that you are not going to face a lot of the enemy's attacks um, if you're not going to uh, hurt him in any way. Like, if there's nothing about your life that's a threat to him, he's going to just let you go, right? So, but notice this, and maybe a lot of you track with this. Like, the moment you try to start praying there's distraction, right? Or the, the moment you start to really follow Jesus, be generous or be courageous and start talking about your faith, man, all kinds of things can come in and just start crippling you, fear and worry and doubt. And so, so the moment you step in to start following Jesus, you are a threat to this enemy, and it's game on. He's stronger than us, and he hates us. That's that's our enemy, right? And we live in a broken world, and so we're going to face some amazing challenges. So, so how do we fight, all right? So verse 10, how do we do this fight then? Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then verse 13 uh, told us, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. This is a big point of this passage is that you don't got this. Like you, you cannot go through your Christian life following Jesus and just wing it on your own power. You are going to need help. And so one of the big pushes in this passage Sometimes you get into the armor pieces and we look at, oh, look at the shield and look at the knife, look at the, like the big push here is on the full armor. The emphasis there was even a, a Greek word that was used to describe it. The main point is you have been outfitted, like you are equipped and prepared. Don't get distracted by each little piece of the army. Look at, look at all together. You are equipped uh, to win this battle. You are equipped, you are prepared. And the other piece, as we're going to start talking about this, this armor, like this is, this is not 
meant to be purely defensive. Like these pieces of armor are not meant for you to just kind of cower back and bunker and somehow try to survive in, in this world. No, these things are meant to strengthen and empower you to move forward. Like, in fact, think of it this way. The armor you are invited to wear is the same armor that Jesus wore. In fact, think of it this way, too. Like, throughout this whole letter of Ephesians, Paul's been trying to remind us of all the benefits we have in Christ, like all the blessings we have. And he's saying, if you're going to move forward in hard and challenging days, don't go in your own strength, but go in what you have in Christ. I think each of these pieces of armor point us to something that we have in Christ. So, so Jesus doesn't just say to his people, okay, hey, good luck. Like, I hope you do well in that battle and I'll sit back and I'll cheer for you. No, he says, look, look, remember who you are in me. 35 times in the book of Ephesians, we are reminded that we are in Christ. We are in Christ. And so when you are in Christ, you wear his armor and now you do battle with his resources, not yours. And if we want to look at an example, like, who, who did this then? Who did this life well? Just look at Jesus himself, that he never sinned. He battled pride. He battled greed, lust, envy, lying. And he died for us. And he defeated sin and death. And he rose again from the dead. And so, and so uh, he has faced every attack from the enemy imaginable. Every one of us, we've fallen to sin. Like we've been tempted, but then we fell. Jesus was tempted, but never, never sinned. So that means he, is, he was empowered to completely defeat the enemy. He did that as he died and rose again from the dead. So this armor we're to wear is really meant to help us thrive as we're being uh, challenged and, and attacked by the enemy. So, and so one other thing about the armor pieces, and we'll jump into them. Um, I hope to post something for you tomorrow, but... Um, each of these, some people think, okay, when Paul was writing this, he was sitting in a prison cell, and he probably looked around and saw like some Roman soldiers, and like, wow, they got, they got their armor on, and maybe that sparked you know, this imagery. Hey, how can I one more time communicate with these people that they have resources in Christ? Oh, let me, let me compare it to armor pieces. But, but his ultimate target wasn't a Roman soldier. It wasn't like, wow, look how strong that is. It's amazing that five of these six uh, pieces of armor all have direct links to the book of Isaiah. That was a book of prophecy written 700 years before Christ, where God was foreshadowing to his people that there's a mighty warrior who's going to come to this earth and where people are suffering and in bondage uh, to sin and injustice and suffering. I'm going to send a Messiah who will set my people free. And so it's interesting, but each of these, except for one of these armor pieces, point back to prophecies in the book of Isaiah about the coming Messiah. So, so Paul is lifting our eyes and saying, look what Jesus has provided you. All right? So there's six. And again, I, you know, it was about six years ago, we did a study on the book of Ephesians. We did a week, a sermon a week on each of these, uh, parts of the armor. So let's do that now. And we'll be together till four in the afternoon. No, it's not. We can't. Uh, but let me just hit a few of these and, and just make some points about each of them, okay? So verse 14 says, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So 
the belt he starts with. The belt is the most important part of the armor. It holds everything together. It's a direct connection to Isaiah 11.5 in that passage where it talks about Messiah coming in truth. Jesus came and identified himself as the way, the truth, and the life. He identified as the Son of God who came to give his life as a ransom for many. He died. He rose again from the dead. We're going to celebrate that in a couple weeks, Easter. And so that is the truth. And that is the truth that binds all of our hope, is that Jesus is alive. The Son of God died for sins. Our sins can be forgiven. That is the truth that holds everything together. We stand in that truth, all right? That's the most important piece of the armor. Christ, fully God, died, rose again from the dead. We are saved through him the belt of truth. Then you look at the breastplate of righteousness. Again, the breastplate, an important piece of armor that guarded the core of, of, of a soldier, his heart, his chest, and all of that. But, but here, the breastplate is righteousness. And uh, again, that might be a big word, might be a religious word uh, for some of us. But righteousness basically means that we have been given Christ's righteousness, that we can stand before a holy God And in spite of our sin, we stand in Christ's righteousness. So when God looks at us, he sees Jesus and his righteousness. He does not see our sin. So when you ask, how in the world can you say you're part of God's family? How in the world can you say you've been adopted, son and daughter in God's family? You would just have to say, it is not because of me, but that is because of Jesus giving his life for me. I gave him my sin. He gives me his righteousness. So, so I stand in the righteousness of Christ. So every time the enemy accuses you and says, how could, how could somebody who lie be in God's family? How could be somebody who's so greedy or selfish be in God's family and say, you know what? I don't stand in this family by what I have done, but I stand on what Jesus has done for me. And so we do, we are declared righteous. We still fight against sin, but every sin we fight against has been forgiven and has been defeated. And so that frees us to stand in our righteousness before God, but also to be people who promote righteousness on this earth. So that's our breastplate. It talks about shoes, verse 15, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Guys, Isaiah 52 has such a beautiful picture of the Messiah coming, uh, proclaiming news, good news, of happiness, of peace with God. And so, so we've been given that as part of our armor too, that we uh, live in peace with the Creator God and that we now go and make sure others know that they too can live in peace. But what a beautiful time to put that piece of armor on display. Like, how are you doing with everything that's swirling around us? Like, the future of your job or financial situation at home or, you know, loved ones you know that are susceptible to this disease? Like, are we living as people who are just frantic and afraid? Or are we living in peace because we know our God? And so people who are at peace with God can then extend that to other people. Because I don't know uh, why this happened, but um, uh, of the people who were first impacted uh, by COVID-19, we knew a lot of them. And so, uh, in fact, the first two diagnosed um, are friends of ours. And so it's been, it's been kind of surreal to stay in touch with these people as they've been, one of them, isolated in the hospital for 10 days and, and others who are being tested. But what has come through loud and clear with all of them 
is their ability to proclaim peace in the midst of this to the physicians, to people tending to them. One of them uh, said to a, a, a medical staff, you know, I, I'm going to be okay here because God's got my back. And so apparently the, whoever was seeing them left the room, but, but one circled back and said, uh, do you think God's got my back? <laughs> this person said, you know what? I had to pray a little bit. And then I said, you betcha he does. He loves you. And, and then explained the gospel to them. But it's been inspiring to hear our, our people kind of at the epicenter of this, living out their faith and experiencing the peace that comes from the gospel. And I would just say, how, how's the peace barometer in your life these days? Like that is a clear sign that you are in relationship with Jesus Christ, is that he gives you peace that this world cannot give you. And so these are good days. Not to just check a box, yeah, I think I'm a Christian, or I think I'm religious. Like, that, that's not what's counting here. Like, do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? And one of those signs is going to be that you, you will find peace that, that you have no explanation for, all right? So he talks about a shield of faith in verse 16, uh, that in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. This is a picture here of a shield that was used uh, by Roman soldiers that they would, it was be kind of like a big rectangle that they would carry. And then when arrows would come in from an enemy, they would prop that thing on the ground, lean it back and, and tuck behind it. They would, they would even coat that with leather and soak it in water because sometimes these arrows coming in would be, you know, have some tar on the tip and that'd be lit on fire. So literally flaming arrows coming. And Paul took that analogy and said, you know what? Our God is a shield. And this, this is the one that doesn't come from Isaiah, but throughout the Psalms, it says God is a refuge and a shield for those who trust in him. So Paul is saying, as you're going through the challenges of this life, man, you just keep that shield with you. When something's coming and threatening you, man, you just get behind that shield and you say, okay, God, I don't know how we're going to provide for our family. God, I don't know about my job. And I'm going to trust you, God. You're going to be strong for me. You're going to be my shield. You're going to be my defender. And so... And so you will protect me. That's the shield of faith. And the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit are the last two. And how, how crucial a helmet is when you are in battle. And, and I love the linkage there to our salvation, that, that you've got to have your head about you when you're in a crisis and when you're in a pandemic. And, and again, like I said earlier, you have got to know do you really know Jesus or not? Are, can you be sure that you are saved, that you are one of his people? And so um, Paul has done an amazing job in the gospel, in the, in the book of Ephesians, to make the gospel clear that, that we, we are sinners, that every single one of us has rebelled against God, but God in his mercy gave us salvation through Jesus Christ. And so this is, this is a great time, a great moment in your life to be sure that you know the gospel. Could you, if you're not sure, please email us. Let us know. We'd love to have a conversation with you. But the helmet of salvation is so crucial as you, as you can know the love of God, that he died for you while you were a sinner, that you can have no doubt that God is with you, for you, 
because he has rescued you through Jesus Christ. And the last of these armor pieces is the sword of the Spirit. Sword of the Spirit. Could you write down Matthew chapter 4? Because that's a, that's a passage where you see Jesus confronting the enemy. And the enemy is lying to him and tempting him. And Jesus each time quoted scripture back to him. It reminds me when uh, our kids were younger, we used to have them memorize different Bible verses. And one I remember was Philippians 4.13. And um, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And, and so when Caleb was younger, my son, he used to love weapons and swords and kind of fighting those kind of contexts. And so uh, sometimes I'd put him to bed, and maybe this isn't the best thing to do right before your kid's going to bed, but I would, I would play with him, and I would, I would tell him lies that the enemy might tell him, and, and I'd say, you are weak, Caleb, you can't do anything, and he'd go, uh-uh, I can do all things through Christ, who gives me strength, and then he'd go, king, because that was kind of like our, when we had sword fights, he was like, king, 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 like that was kind of our, our word for a sword fight, right, so king, and so that's what he, we used to do, and I'd go, oh! you got me. And so, I mean, that's kind of a goofy little picture, but that, that's the power of the word of God. When, when the enemy comes and he attacks and he lies to you, then you just fight him off with the word of God. And so I, I've been talking to some people this week and they just admit to me, man, I've been so discouraged and I'm afraid. And I said, well, how much news have you been watching? And so maybe they're just, just too much. CNN, Fox News, like just too much. I said, well, how much reading of your Bible have you been doing? <laughs> it's kind of like silence. It's like, dude, okay, it's good to stay informed. So maybe a couple times, a couple moments, catch up on the news. Get your nose in the Bible. Like you got to know what's true. You got to fight off uh, the lies of the enemy one that the enemy is throwing at you. And so uh, we've had a couple of team Zoom meetings this week. Friday we had about thirty of our staff together, and we started with three of them just sharing scripture with us. And those were powerful moments. I encourage you uh, to share God's word with each other. Like, what are you learning? What is God saying to you? And then spread that word with others around you. Man, if you don't know where to start in the Bible, I think there's a slide that'll pop up. Let me just encourage you. There's three places. Just start reading in the book of Psalms. And if you want to start in Psalm 23, and then just add, you know, do a different one each day, 24, 25, that's a great place to start or in the Gospel of John, chapters 14 to 16, again, like you're just putting your toe into reading the Bible for the first time, that's a great place because that's where Jesus is. It's kind of timely with Easter. It's Jesus speaking to his team right before his, his crucifixion um, and resurrection. He's getting them ready for, for hard times. So that might be another place. Romans 8, I think, is on the screen there too. It's just a, a chapter loaded with promises from God, particularly the back half of that chapter. But, but, but get yourself into the word, all right? So, so what does winning the fight look like? And so, and so for that, I think our, our, our exhibit here in this text is Paul himself, the author. The guy that wrote this great book isn't sitting like on a beach in Florida, like saying, oh, this sounds really cool, I'll, I'll say this. Like he's in prison, and he's, he's awaiting a death sentence, possibly. And I just want you to see what he's doing in that. So verse 18, praying in all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Like what does victory look like? This is going to sound super simple, but victory looks like you praying. 
Like when you pray, that means you get it. Like you get all six pieces of the armor, all the truths being taught there, that you are God's son and daughter, that you belong, that you can go before him, that he's greater than you are, that you need him, then you can ask him for whatever you want. Like the fact that you are praying shows that you get all that Ephesians has been trying to teach us, that you come boldly before God, and it also shows that you know you don't have what you need, but he does. He is abundant in his power and strength. And so and so this sounds super simple, but the way you know you're, you got that armor on is that you are praying at all times with all prayer, and that you're praying for all the saints. Like, that's a great reminder. You're not doing this alone. There's a whole bunch of us wearing this armor, praying for each other, and so that's a great sign that you're going to win this fight. And let me just show you one more, one more we see from Paul, verse 19. And pray also for me that words may be given me, opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I ought to, as I ought to speak. Man, his prayer request isn't, could you pray I get out of prison? Could you pray I get a kind of a lenient judge here? I get an easy sentence or, man, could you pray for better food? Like, he is locked onto his calling. Again, kind of one of the premises of the whole book of Ephesians is, as God wants to fill us, used a phrase, with the fullness of God, so that wherever you go, you can exalt Jesus. And, and take Jesus to every place you go. And so Paul knew that is my calling. And I'm in prison. I'm an ambassador in chains. I've been filled with the fullness of God. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to whine. I'm going to exalt Jesus here. So could you pray that I would do that, that I would be bold when I stand before Nero or whoever it is that could sentence me to death? Could you pray that I would point that person to Jesus? What a, what a great challenge to us. Like, are we fully armed? Are we prepared? This is what God would prepare you for, to proclaim Jesus in a pandemic. So um, like some of your families, like Rachel's family earlier, we were on a trip that the, it seemed like the more we got into the trip last week, the more things kept shutting down in our country. And it so much reminded me of all coincidences. Our family was also on a trip during September 11th. We were on the East Coast. Flights were canceled. We had to drive home. Kids were young. Like it was just never forget that. But we wanted to get back. I was doing student ministry at that time, and we had a, we had a big event that night. And I just wanted to be there with our students and and share the hope we have in Christ. And we got back, and I'll never forget. There was a new student there uh, that night, and his name was Ben Clark. Like Ben's on our staff team now, but this freshman from West High, I think his friend Mike DeWard brought him. And he just kind of opened up and just said, you know what, the reason I'm here is like, there's a lot going on around us in this world, and I don't know if I know God. Like, I want to make sure God is in my life. And like, just saw God do a beautiful work in Benny's life in those days and continues to serve us well here at Parfew. Guys, I just wonder how many Bennies are around us today. Like, their world is being shaken and we are called to be ambassadors. Paul was an ambassador in chains. We are an ambassadors in a pandemic. Like, what does it look like to know Jesus in the midst of a pandemic? And we are putting the gospel on display through our lives. So my wrap-up is this. You guys, five years from now, when this whole pandemic is in our rearview mirrors, like, what stories are we going to have to tell about what God did in our lives and what God did through us? I hope it's way more than we found toilet paper. 
You know, or we found hand sanitizer, or we burned through 100 movies on Netflix. But, you know, I hope that we would look at these days and say, God got my attention. He, he grabbed me right here and, and reminded me of his love, reminded me of this armor. And man, I live differently now. And I look back and I see the people he used me to point to Jesus. And I praise God. Let's not waste the pandemic. Let's, let's, let's be ambassadors for Christ in the pandemic. So, so a couple next steps, you guys. Um, number one is put your faith in Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, do it. Like, figure this out. Like, ask him uh, or email us. We'd love to help you begin a relationship with Jesus. If you're in a community group on the East, North, or Central Campus, you're going to hear some really uh, good direction coming your way from Thomas. Pastor Thomas is a very gifted leader, and so we want our community groups to really be there and, and be strong for each other, and this to be a season where we grow. If you're not in a community group, you're new to Parkview, um, keep looking at our website this week. We are inviting you into a couple of Zoom conversations. They're going to be called Peace in the Pandemic to begin to introduce you to, to who Jesus is and how he can help us in these times. We have a bunch of resources on there we want to keep giving you. And bottom line is this, please don't hesitate to call us, to reach out. If we can pray for you in any way, help you in any way, please, please let us no. And so um, I'm going to pray for us now. And, um, and my prayers uh, are that we would stand strong, that we would care for each other well, that we would share Jesus well. For those who are sick, that we know that are still battling this virus, that there would be healing. Could we pray for a miracle too, that there would be a cure to this or that the virus would just go? Could we pray for that? And we pray for financial pressures, like, like uh, throughout our city, uh, even in this church. Like these are days where uh, we want to steward money well. We want to meet needs around us, needs of the church, needs of people around us. So just pray that God would be our provider in all these things. So we pray. God, what a, what a timely message that you remind us to be strong in the strength of the Lord, that you have fully equipped us and prepared us to stand and so thank you for this uh, example, too, that we see in Paul, that he wasn't somebody that shrunk back in hard times, but he moved forward. May we be a people that put on your armor, God, and move forward to spread your peace uh, throughout this city, uh, to, to uh, present your righteousness, to show what it looks like to know you, that the gospel would go forth from us in very powerful ways. God, would you be our provider here as a church, here in our families, we're trusting you to provide. We want to put you on display. We want to be ambassadors of Christ in a pandemic. And thank you that you've equipped us to do that. Continue to fill us so we can point more and more people to you. In your great name, we pray. Amen.